For six centuries, Bavaria was a distinct nation from the rest of what we now call Germany. It had its own ruling family and its own favorite foods and culture. From its capital, Munich, and up into the Alps, Bavaria is a region that provides many Americans with the images we picture when we think of old-world Germany. Today, Munich is often called Germany's most livable city. I like that its pedestrian-friendly historic core kind of makes the big city feel like an easy-going Bavarian town. It's also where tour guide Daniela Vedel was born and raised. She joins us now on Travel with Rick Steves to explore the highlights of Munich and Bavaria and to help us kick off the Oktoberfest season with a look at what's unique about southern Germany. Daniela, willkommen. Thank you for inviting me, Rick. Grüß Gott. Grüß Gott. There's a good example. You wouldn't say Grüß Gott in Berlin, no. would you? No, you wouldn't. You would only say that Grüß Gott in Bavaria, in the southern areas, but particularly Bavaria, maybe even over the border to Tyrol. Tyrol, yes, in, Austria. in Austria. So in Austria or in Bavaria, you would have that charming southern kind of dialect. Mm -hmm. When we think, Daniela, of uh, the dialect between the north and the south of Germany, that's the little, sort of the little topping of a deep cultural difference between the north and the south. Mm -hmm. How would you, as a Bavarian, characterize the difference between somebody who lives in Prussia in the north mm -hmm. and somebody who lives in Bavaria in the south? So me coming from the south... That's probably a little bit subjective, but uh, I would say that in the South, uh, the language already is different. The language is a little bit slower. We uh, drop a couple syllables. We use the wrong articles, and uh, we don't mind that. And uh, everyone else minds it. And uh, otherwise, I would say probably people are a little bit more relaxed than the idea of the German people take their time. They want to be outside a lot. People um, are more Baroque. And okay. when I say Baroque, I mean that it's uh, always a little bit too much, a little bit of too muchness. Oh, like over we, the top? Yes, that in, we like to celebrate in the, in Bavaria very much. I was going to say when you talked about uh, you're more Italian in the South, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. in Bavaria. And in Italy, when somebody is over the top, they're isimo. Mm -hmm. So maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe the Bavarians are a little isimo. A little bit of isimo. Often you hear even in, in Italy that people from northern Italy would say, or Italians would say, that Munich is the most northern Italian city that there is. Yeah. Now that yeah. relates also yeah. to the religion, because uh, the Pope, I think, took good care of uh, Bavaria, because mm -hmm. Bavaria was a sort of a foothold of Catholicism mm -hmm. in the land of the Reformation. Absolutely. So the Pope sent an extra dose of uh, relics yes. uh, uh, to Bavaria, to Munich, yeah. so that they felt closer to Rome. Yes, a very dense net of abbeys. We have Benedictine abbeys in particular in That's the countryside right. in Bavaria. So when you drive through the countryside, the pre-Alpine lands, you have these beautiful, most of the time, Baroque-style, yes. so counter-Reformation-style abbeys. Isimo. Isimo, very Isimo. You go to yes, the most Isimo yes, thing yes, you can yes, think yes. is the Assam yes, Church, yes, uh, yes. maybe the Wieskirch. Exactly. Uh, Oberammergau, you know, yeah. uh, the Speaking. onion domes, the onion domes that you see all over the countryside that are very recognizable. Yeah. I think that is typical for the Bavarian countryside. Yes. And you would not see that in Hamburg. No, no you would not. No, you'd see no, a you pointy spire, yes. a northern stoic yes. a Protestant spire. Yes. And in Bavaria, you've got those elegant onion domes. Because also, I mean, what is interesting is that often I think uh, Germany is considered as being a Protestant country. Yeah, uh, because we connect, uh, or particularly in the United States, maybe connect with Luther, and yeah. so we think Protestant. Yeah. It is not uh, Southern Germany. 
now everyone moves and so things so mix up obviously yeah, but yeah. Uh, generally uh, in the south particularly in bavaria people are catholic one of the most impressive relics i can think of is in uh, saint peter's church in munich you walk into saint peter's mm-hmm. church just as you enter there's this amazing jeweled skeleton mm-hmm. that was a gift from the church. You step into the church and you go, oh, this is not Martin Luther country. This, no. is, this is like Catholic uh, Isimo. It's Isimo. It's, uh, it's um, where you have these Baroque style, um, yeah. well, the ceilings, the open ceilings with the pastel colors and a lot of gold and very richly decorated, yes. Now, you said on the dialect that mm. you have some wrong, uh, <laughs> <laughs> some actual, it sounds like you're yes. saying intentionally wrong. It's like we're, you know, I need the standard German, the formal German is yeah. Hochdeutsch, right? Yes. And you can write in Hochdeutsch. Yes. You, you probably have to write yes. in high German. That's formal. Yes. Yeah. But you don't speak in, no. like, like a Shakespearean uh, actor. Exactly, you particularly s- on the countryside. So you, I mean, what's an example? Can you give me a little uh, Bavarian dialect compared um, to uh, Berlin or Hamburg? Um, let's just say, so we go to a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, in Hochdeutsch, so in, in written German, uh, we would say, wir gehen in das Restaurant. Uh, we, we, we use we the restaurant. We are going to, to a the restaurant. restaurant. Okay, yeah. Wir gehen in das Restaurant. And in Bavaria, we would say, wir gehen ins Restaurant. Wir gingen in Gasthof. So, wir gingen ins Restaurant. So gehen, yeah. ging. So a, a, ging. a person from uh, another city would know, oh, this is a, a Bavarian. It would definitely, yeah. Would yeah. Definitely, if the, uh, they have traveled there, yeah, they would know. They would know it's from the, the, the person from the south somewhere. Or with the article, for example, it is, uh, we say the plate. So the plate is um, der Teller. Right. In Bavaria, it's das Teller. No, you get the sex so, mixed up. Yes, totally. I didn't we, know you can do that. It's yeah, okay. Well, you can when you're Bavarian. Because that's, that's why I quit German <laughs> was because I couldn't remember if it was der, die, or das. Well, the, there was a male or a female or yes, a neuter, neuter sort of a three. pronoun. Mm-hmm. And I was all stressed out about that, but I could have just said, hey, I'm Bavarian. <laughs> exactly. So it's you das. use whatever just, you want. <laughs> you just celebrate that you have a particular, oh, you're, de- you're an exceptional. <laughs> it's a declaration of independence. <laughs> In a way. We're I not, guess. ich bin not a Berliner. No. <laughs> <laughs> ich bin kein Berliner. I'm also a Berliner. Let's put it like that. I'm All, also. Besides th- that I'm Bavarian, I'm also a Berliner. Okay, so you've got your, <laughs> your independent spirit. This yes. is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Daniela Vidal, and she's a, a proud Bavarian. She's a, a guide who, who guides all over Germany. And we're talking about the difference between Bavaria and the rest of her country. When we're talking about this, I almost think about how proud people from Texas are in the United States. And there's that sort of spirit that, yes, we can do it. We don't need to be told how to do it from New York or, or California. Is there a little bit of that between Munich and Berlin? Yeah, I do feel, I do think that um, there are similarities as far as the perception and maybe also the consciousness uh, between Bavarians and Texans in the way that uh, there are similarities in the sense that it's uh, Bavaria is rather conservative Bundesland, state. Yeah. Uh, religion plays still quite an important role. Then there are these islands in this conservatism, like I think in Texas too. So the countryside is rather conservative, very Catholic. And then you have Munich, for example, as an island, very social democratic government since Second World War. So, okay, um, so the, the state government of Bavaria mm-hmm. could be very conservative. Yes. Yeah. And if the tourist goes to Munich, they would think, no, this is liberal. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. Well, it's that urban-rural divide that we have here yeah. in the yeah. United States yeah. as well. And uh, the perception maybe also from the outside, what I experience with the guests, uh, how Texans and Texas is perceived, 
of course, it's, uh, I mean, there are wonderful people everywhere, but it's the same thing that uh, other Germans would see Bavarians always with a little bit, yeah. A little <laughs> yeah. bit of attitude, you A mean? little bit of attitude. They, yeah. they are different and they want to be different. And um, do we like them? Ah, it's like the Lone Star. Texas has the yeah. Lone Star and <laughs> like, Bavaria has the Lone yeah, Star. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I, I do, yeah, yeah. We'll make our rules. We don't and, need to do it your style. Now, when American thinks about Germany, there are certain cliches. But a lot of times, those German clichés are actually mm-hmm. not German, but Bavarian. Yes, very much. What's an example? Well, for example, I do believe that a lot of Americans think that all Germans eat pretzel. Right. <laughs> or or big, the big pretzel. Yes. Or that everyone who is kind of in a folkloristic club or so has a lederhosen or wears dirndl. That in all the cities are maples. And when um, you're happy, you yodel. And you yodel. Everyone is yodeling. And everyone plays the, we say umtata music, you say umpapa music. I umpapa, think it, right. Yeah, we say umtata. And that's, these are all things that are uh, German, but they are particular. they are Bavarian. And so, so you yeah. would never find anyone who eats a, a Schweinshaxe or a pork knuckle in Hamburg. They would eat a herring. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm just thinking of Hamburg because Hamburg yeah. is like close to Denmark, mm-hmm. way in the north. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And it's a long way from Rome. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have the dirndls, mm-hmm. you don't have the slap dancing, mm-hmm. no. you don't have the yodeling. No. But the American would think all those things are German, but they're not. No. They are Bavarian. The fun is in Bavaria. The fun is in Bavaria. <laughs> and speaking of fun, Bavaria has the biggest beer party, I think, in the world. Yes. yes yeah, Oktoberfest. Definitely. And it really is a celebration of Bavaria because the first Oktoberfest was, wasn't it a wedding party for the royal family? Absolutely. 1821, it was uh, the wedding for Theresa. Uh, therefore, we call it Theresian Wiese also. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Theresa's Meadow, that's the area how we call it. And it's the Oktoberfest, yes. So it's a 1821. wedding. 1821. Yeah. So we're going to have the 200th anniversary of Soon. Oktoberfest coming yes. up. Yes, that's going to be even bigger. More than 7 million People will then probably... Seven million. That's uh, a lot Seven of, million liters of beer. That's Sorry, a lot of beer, be. yeah. Yes. That's a lot of In beer. two weeks. A lot of oxen. A lot of oxen, a lot of, oxen, a lot of chicken. They have entire oxen on a spit. Yes. A yeah. lot of chicken, a lot of happiness. We now, call it the fifth uh, season in the Munich, Oktoberfest. by the way. Yeah. It's it, the fifth season of the year. It overwhelms, it takes over the city in a beautiful way. Just coincidentally, because of my work, I've been in Munich two times for Oktoberfest in the last two years, and... Both times, when I went to Oktoberfest, Daniela, it occurred to me, it's not really touristy. It's it's very local. Mm, local yes. people go there. I mean, tourists go there a lot. Mm. But this is a, a chance for locals to celebrate their clan, their, mm-hmm. their friends, their mm-hmm. style. Each mm-hmm. tent has a different personality. Mm-hmm. I think if you have the chance to go to the Oktoberfest... On the weekend and also in the middle of the week, then you see the two different worlds of Oktoberfest. On the weekends, it's the tourists that are there. The tourists, it's, yeah. uh, and if you go at lunchtime during the week, that's wonderful. It's calm. It's quite the weather. Generally, is very beautiful still. So, at the beginning yeah. of October, end of September, you have warm weather. You can sit outside, and there it is calm. And there you meet the locals and uh, people mix up. And I noticed the security is very good. In, in, mm-hmm. in Europe, there's a lot of soft targets. And, mm-hmm. and Germany, like France and, mm-hmm. and any country, has yeah. had to be careful of uh, people that want to make a terrible event. Yeah. And uh, Germany is very good at not closing down, but just making good mm-hmm. security. So the grounds would be controlled, and there's one or two entries and exits. Mm-hmm. And at each of those, you have police checking you. 
And then bag I noticed check. bag check and so on. Like in a museum. And uh, I think uh, it, it feels, it just feels wonderful inside. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so thankful they can still have mm-hmm. big parties like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is, it is. Somebody yeah. told me the biggest risk is uh, people fighting with a, beer, with a big glass mug. Which was always, which was always the biggest uh, danger. Because some way, yeah. people, when they get drunk, they're, they're just crazy physical. And these mugs are a liter. It's a liter of beer. And when you are empty with that, you've got it in your hand and you're angry, you can... I understood that it's like, it's considered a a serious crime if you hit somebody with a mug, just because they have to be very careful about that. They're even designed so the handle breaks easily. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You talk about interesting things Uh when you're sharing a beer at Dr. (laughs) Wolfest. So they want to keep the mug because (laughs) that's so important, but it is dangerous, so they have to design it so the handle breaks off Mm. if if you hit somebody with it. What they wanted to forbid one time was to stand on the benches, actually, to dance, which did not go through. So you cannot smoke anymore in the beer tents, which is a good thing, but you still, they did not get through with not standing uh, on the Because that the was benches. too important for it was, people's traditions. Yes. In fact, I've got a photograph of my plate with the beautiful sauerkraut and, and so on and the pork knuckle with two big German boots right next to it because people were standing on my table. And I was just thinking, don't step on my kraut, my sauerkraut. <laughs> Never step on kraut. <laughs> Never <not> step on <laughs> sauerkraut. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Daniela Vidal. And we're talking about Bavarian culture. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Doug's calling in from Bristol in Maine. Doug, thanks for your call. Hi, Rick and Daniela. Uh, my wife and I are traveling to Europe for the first time, and we're, we get to have two days in Munich. And obviously, we're doing the research on what to see in Munich, and it, it, se- it seems like everything starts with the Marienplatz and the Glockenspiel. But everybody then mentions you got to go to the Hofbra House and that's the beer hall you need to see. But here in Maine, everybody wants a lobster and seafood, and uh, they want that quintessential seafood dinner. And the phrase is, find where the locals eat. And that's where you're going to get the best seafood dinner, not the restaurant that has the tour bus. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Hopra House sounds you know, like fun, but... Would you recommend, like, other beer halls in the area uh, that um, maybe the Munich people actually have a beer at at the end of a workday so that we're, we could feel and meet some, you know, German people and feel right. the culture? Well, uh, Doug, you know, it's so important to see the Hofbrauhaus because yeah. it's historic, it's classic, it's got live music. But remember, it's just a touristy thing. It's, I, I really enjoy the Hofbrauhaus House, actually, mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. The history is there. It's mm-hmm. just drenched in history. But people have, there's many beer halls, and different people have their favorites. Uh, Daniela, what would a different beer hall to consider? Well, a different one would be definitely, and if you want to meet the locals, and probably 80% of the locals agree on that the best beer in Munich is the Augustina beer. Yeah. So Augustine, Augustina, like the monks. And so one beer garden is, for example, behind the train train station. station. You can walk there from the train station. Augustina. Augustina beer garden, close to the train station. You just have to ask. People know it. So there you have locals, uh, people from all over. And then there are these beer gardens all over the city spread out in the different neighborhoods. So if you are adventurous and you get yourself a public transport pass and you go out, then... uh, Wienerplatz is a good place. W-E-I-N-E-R. Wiener, like Vienna, written yeah. in German. That, you write it down, 
and then you find it, and then you go there. There's another Augustina beer garden, and that uh, is the one where I grew up, for example. Okay. So Augustina, that's a very <laughs> good idea because it's great yeah. beer, yeah. and it's a beer garden. So mm-hmm. if it's a nice evening, you're outside, and then you're going yeah. f- to experience this wonderful word that, I'm, as a tour guide in Bavaria, you always probably have to deal with, Gemütlichkeit. Yes. You'll feel that in, yes. the, in the garden, in the beer yeah. garden. What is, what is Gemütlichkeit? Gemütlichkeit is this phenomenon we have... Uh, I would say in Bavaria and in the pre-Alpine or in the Alpine areas, Gemütlichkeit is some coziness. Yeah. You feel safe. Yeah. Um, it is. Uh, if you're outside in a beer garden, obviously this is not the case, but generally it's a little bit too warm where it's Gemütlich. <laughs> um, because you are close together, it's a closeness, also, it's, it's cozy. cozy. It's, uh, you, uh, you feel just comfortable and you time. Maybe There's around no the importance. fire. In the med- around well, the fire. in winter it would be in a chalet or yeah. somewhere in a hut, in a That's mountain right. hut. Yeah. And in summer, so particularly, yeah, in Bavaria, it's a smaller space, smaller area. So, Gemütlichkeit, uh, yes, in the beer gardens with the music. Um, so that's probably something. Maybe in a in a small cafe or yeah. a traditional pub, you'd feel gemüt. Hey, Doug, thanks for your question and and enjoy your trip to Munich. Thank you. One quick question: What's a Radler? A Radler is a mix of uh, sprites or so lemon. Uh, Sprite, like you have it here, uh, half Sprite, half uh, lager beer. And a Radler is called a biker. Radler means biker in Bavarian. And so after that, you easily ride with your bike through the city on the bike path. I didn't put that together. Mm, you know, Radler is yes. for the bikers. It's, yeah. yeah, if you want to feel like you have a beer, but you, you're not that interested in drinking a lot exactly. of beer, you cut it with your 7-Up. But yeah. if you're a real beer drinker, you don't order a Radler. Don't it's too sweet. And don't it's, drink it. And it's kind of a feminine drink, too. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of women will go for the Rattler, but the men will be that's, insulted. That's <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm just laughing. That, that's like in an English pub, a shandy. It's true. It's a shandy, actually. It's a shandy, yeah, Absolutely, yeah. you're right. Uh, but, and then another good drink to know about is uh, apple shorley. Absolutely. And apple shorley, all shoreless. And apple, sho- apple means apple. So it's a mix of a juice, which generally are rather sweet, and we don't like things so sweet often, and so we want it refreshing. And then you mix it up with bubbly water, so half-half. Refreshing. And you can have uh, orange shole, Ah. any any shole, any juice mixed with uh, bubbly water. I like a radler. (laughs) You're a woman. I'm a bike riding woman. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Doug, thanks for your call. (laughs) Thank you. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Daniela Videl about Bavarian culture. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Catherine's calling in from Decora in Iowa. Catherine, thanks for your call. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm taking my 16-year-old grandson to Munich and Bavaria. And Dachau is one of the places that he would like to visit. And so my quest- I have two questions. Um, is there easy public transportation from Munich out to Dachau and back? And then how can I best prepare him for that experience um, visiting a concentration camp? Good question. Daniela, you're a parent. You want your teenager to get a a respect for what happened in the Holocaust. That takes a little bit of thoughtfulness. Well, uh, first, 16, I don't know what they have uh, been taught at school. Maybe to find out already what he knows so far about. Well, if he says he wants to go there, it's probably interesting to find out why he, at 16, wants to go there. So he must know something about it. Uh, Then, if I'm not wrong, there is a show recently uh, about the Holocaust that you did, no? We, we made a For TV example. show on so public television interesting maybe about to, fascism. Yeah, people, about that would be a very good thing to watch beforehand, Catherine, yeah. if you find the Rick Steves show about fascism, uh, and you can stream that on the internet easily. 
And then uh, you have plenty of uh, museums also here dedicated to the Holocaust, so probably it would be a there, good well, thing. There's a new docu-center in Munich. In Munich also, yes. For the Holocaust, and you would see that before going out to Dachau. Mm-hmm. It's a very good exhibit mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, right in the, the center rising. of Munich. What is important, I find personally very important, is to make sure that uh, your son understands the rising of uh, fascism and uh, not just out of the context Holocaust and it has happened in Germany. So I think uh, you have you should try to that it puts in the context so so yeah. you can and uh, then to get to Dachau and back is very easy um, with public transportation it takes mm-hmm. 45 minutes. So you should dedicate probably a day to this the, the whole subject theme yep. uh, minimum. There are also tours in yeah. uh, in Dachau that are offered by companies and yeah, um, it's a parental thing for yeah. for a teenager I can see what Daniela is trying to explain because as a tour guide, I'm sure she's dealt with it. And uh, some kids can handle it. Other kids you'd have to be careful about. There's Dachau is probably a good example of a concentration camp for teenagers more than some other mm. camps. Mm-hmm. But you would want to be there with them and help curate what they're mm-hmm. looking at because it's it's a powerful, powerful experience. And it's a valuable experience. Good for your teenager for having a curiosity about it mm-hmm. and uh, good for you as a parent to uh, help make that happen. Does that help, Catherine? Uh, yes, and I've seen um, the show on fascism, and, uh, but I don't believe my grandson has, has seen it. So that's mm-hmm. a good suggestion to make sure that he, he sees that before mm-hmm. we go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and Germany is doing a very good job of sharing the lessons from its hard history for travelers these days, much better now than 20 years ago. So as you travel around, there's a lot you can see and do. I, I would say something uh, fascinating is going to Berchtesgarten where there's another documentation center where people, you learn about it, and then you can actually go up into Hitler's eagle's nest. And that's quite a fascinating experience without the graphic heartache of a concentration camp. Thanks for your call, Catherine. Thanks. And Amanda's calling in from Concord in California. Amanda, thanks for your call. Hi, Rick. Hi, Daniela. Thanks for taking my call. My husband and I are planning a trip, and we're planning on bringing our six-year-old daughter so I was hoping for some recommendations of places in Munich and around Bavaria that are kid-friendly. Um, hopefully some places also that are kind of in nature, maybe some short hikes, something with animals that she might enjoy. Hmm. All right. So, yes, yes. For example, well, in Munich you have, of course, uh, along the Isar River that runs through uh, mm-hmm. Munich. That is beautiful. You can stroll, you can walk down there, you can have a picnic down there, she can play. It's like a park uh, along it's the a, river. Yeah, yeah, You absolutely. can hike along the river. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's it's wonderful. I don't know if she's riding a bike. Uh, in Munich, uh, kid, children with six years ride their bikes already. That could be, and mm-hmm. there's enough space. Otherwise, there's something nice just outside, just about uh, five kilometers outside. Even the tram goes there, the public transport. Uh, it's the Bavaria Film Studios where the never-ending story was filmed and where there's still Fuhur, you know, the dog kind of fluffy one. It's there. And there's also in the forest, there is some wildlife um, where they have deers and yeah. wild boar and, and all the animals. And they explain about the, the forest animals in, in Bavaria. So that's very nice. What and that is, is that? very close the together. That, again? that is at Strassla. This is the next to the Bavaria Film Studios. Okay. So when you go there, that's, uh, it's next to it. And there's a tram. Public transport goes there. It takes 20 minutes. 
In the big park, the English Garden. English Garden. Beautiful place. You can see the people surfing. Yes, also. There's a river where there's a constant wave and people are surfing, just like at, you know, in in the ocean, but right on a river in Munich, which is a lot of fun for kids to watch. And it's not nature, but uh, it's uh, certainly interesting, the Deutsches Museum. Exactly. And that's down at the Isar River. So when you're down there. It has a lot of kid-oriented things, a wonderful planetarium, and, uh, and that would be like going to the Smithsonian Institute, but in Germany. And then, of course, all the uh, Rodelbahn, all the uh, luge rides that are surround uh, the luge rides to do it. So if you have a car uh, south in the south, foothills of the Alps, yes, for that's example, a there good plenty, idea. Yeah, plenty. Am- Amanda, of those. the ski lifts in the summer they still run, but they don't take skiers up. They take uh, nature lovers up, and then you go down the slopes, not on skis, but on like go karts that are mm-hmm. in these concrete slalom courses back and forth, and mm-hmm. it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's the uh, summer Rodelbahn. Yeah. And you'll see people doing that in Bavarian kids. Love it. Google luge. If you luge. Google luge, you should find something. And that's uh, so if you have a car, then just going towards the mountains, it's a 30 minutes r- drive. You have all these lakes also where you can swim in. And uh, it's wonderful things. Nice, Amanda. Have fun with your family. Thank you so much. It's such a treat. Thanks. You bet. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking about Bavaria and Munich and Bavarian culture with Daniela Vidal. Daniela, thank you so much. This is this makes me want to go back to Bavaria. Thanks for having me. Thank wow, schön. I'm glad to hear that. Schön. Danke schön. Danke. Each year, Rick Steves tour guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip. RickSteves.com